Amen. Uh, before I got saved, I really wasn't a reader. Okay, I did read. I read cereal boxes. <laughs> you know, Captain Crunch, you look on the back, they had the little stories, a little, you know, those things. I'm dating myself probably, amen, because uh, our generation now, I don't know if they know how to read, amen. They got a lot of pictures, amen, but, you know, my reading extent was Captain Crunch and Crunch Berries and all that stuff, but when I got saved, God did something different inside of me. Uh, he... He, he birthed something in me. And I remember uh, my pastor's wife, amen. C can I tell you something, amen? We, we, we disciple couples. You know what that means? We disciple men and women. Right? That's a necessity. Right? Because we, we have learned over the years that from the very beginning... God's plan was done through a couple, right? He didn't say, Adam, you just be fruitful and multiply. Because Adam would have went, all I have is animals, and that's not right. Amen, right? So he gave Adam what they call a helpmate. Now, that helpmate, remember, we redefine everything. The helpmate is not someone to carry your tools, right? Because sometimes, we have to say this, because sometimes, as men, we, you know, we're, we're really not bright, amen? And so, uh, you know, men are not the smartest things in the world, right? Y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Men are not, the women are like, we know. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're not very bright, amen. We like hanging out in the woods with a dog and a shotgun, amen. Right? The women are, what were you doing in the woods with a dog and a shotgun? That's a country guy, amen. Now, I know I don't look like a country guy, but when we were kids, you have not experienced life until you have uh, wrestled with a greased pig, amen. <laughs> they would take all this axle grease, rub it all over the pig, and that pig take off, and we were little kids, and we'd go run and try to grab them, and it's very hard. But when you get them, man, it's a joy. They're squealing all over the place, right? And so, so listen, women look at that, and they go, that's stupid, right? So listen, we understand that, okay? And so we need, we need our wives. I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. We need our wives. Okay. And we need our pastor's wife. Some of the best sermons I ever had in my life is when Yolanda Ruby would just walk by and just say, a couple words to me. Man, they made me mad. <laughs> My wife and I were about to get married, and I had debt, right? And Yolanda just told Liz, if he was a real man, he'd pay all of his debt before he married you. And I said, I'll show her. I paid all my debt off. 
because we, we, you understand, we, we need those kind of things. So we, we launch couples. Women are important. You are smarter, but you're just not in charge. Because, now, you have to, I'm sorry, but if, if, you know, if God was a woman, every 28 days, everyone would be dead. <laughs> really? Poof, start over. So we balance each other out, right? And so it's very, very important. But the problem, you know, I, I do boot camps, and my, my, our boot camps are not like the old boot camps. You know, I go around, I do boot camps literally all over the world, and um, uh, boot camps have a bad rep, amen. But the boot camps I am in and are part of, you can ask any of the kids that have participated in it. It's, it's not the same. So. We do these camps, and it's very interesting because a lot of things come out of these camps. One of the things that comes out is I, I, have, a, I have a heart for preachers' kids because I have kids. And so I, I get to talk to these preachers' kids, and it's very interesting because I will deal with them, right? And so I have a preacher's kid in my platoon, and I begin to talk to them and deal with them. And what happens, inevitably, about 99.9999999% of them tell me the same thing. As I'm dealing with them, you know what, I ask. See, I, I'm pretty straightforward. I ask questions, and I'm just straightforward. I've learned something uh, over my short life. Uh, I don't like wondering. When I had a question about Pastor Mitchell, I walked up to Pastor Mitchell and I asked him a question. Right? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I asked these kids, how does it feel when you watch your mother and father labor, hand out tens of thousands of flyers, and no one comes? See, you don't think about this mom and dad, pastor, pastor's wife. How do you feel when your parents are laboring and reaching out and people chomp their arms off? How do you feel when you get to sit inside of the congregation and you hear people speak about your father, that he's this, that he's that, or talk about your mom, that they're this or they're that, and then that family wants their son or daughter to be your friend. By this time, most of the PK kids are weeping. And the other kids are standing there bewildered and I spin them around and I said, it's you that does that. Because kids what they have a very, very difficult, especially PK kids, 
what they have a very, very hard time processing is when their parents are under attack and their parents just keep loving the church. See, mom and dad, sometimes what we do, why don't you want to serve God? If they really told you why they don't want to serve God. Because in their mind, as they're looking and they're seeing their parents destroyed and not fighting back, they don't understand Christianity. It's this whole mask thing. You know why we don't like to wear masks? Because we have this little rebellious nature in us. <laughs> okay, you admit you're a rebel. Well, do something about it, right? It's like, okay. And so what, what happens is, is, is because, why are we that way? Because of things, how life has been processed. But what we don't, or sometimes what we fail to realize is really life is a, is a test. Everything that God does and works through us is a test. And I used to not like reading and there was a particular book that I picked up, and I actually read the whole thing. I go from cover to cover, you know, and, and I like to kind of get a, a summation of what the book is. And I want to read to you the one thing that I read in this book that made me shut it, throw it away, and say it's false doctrine. <laughs> it says, it has been said it is impossible to forgive a man who deliberately hurts you. For the sole purpose of destroying you or lowering you. If this be true, you have but one hope. To see this unfair hurt as coming by permission from God. For the purpose of lifting your stature above the place in which you formerly stood. That your unfair treatment, listen, we don't say it's fair. That the things that you go through that destroy you, that demoralize you, that bring you into question about God, that begin to rattle your feathers, amen, See, we can say, I can't forgive you. But see, we have this thing called hope. That we must understand that those things are permitted because God really is doing something. He wants to lift us up. Amen. You know, to rise... From the dead, you have to be crucified. And I don't know any crucifixion that is fun and exciting. But I do know that we rejoice when we see resurrection. You know, there was a prophecy given in the Prescott Bible Conference in January. I don't know if you remember it, but it immediately uh, laid a seed in my soul. And 
was kind of weird. You know, sometimes we have weird prophecies, <laughs> right? And we're like, <laughs> what that guy eat? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know. But this one, and hopefully you're not here. If you're here, you'll get redeemed. But in the beginning, it was kind of weird. But what happened, amen, and I've gone back and I've listened to it over and over again. What has happened is you could feel in the beginning, it's kind of just a pushback just a little bit. But then all of a sudden, it's like the spirit of God kicked in. And like a wave of the Holy Ghost went through the, the, the Bible uh, conference at that time. I don't know if you remember it. It was when Pastor Mark Olson was ministering. There were two prophecies. And I want to read to you what this says. It says, have I not told you that my servant Joseph, to give him time to prepare? And have I not told my servant Moses what I was going to do? Have I not told Abraham to give him time? These three months, I will test your heart. I will examine you if you order yourself, if you order your finances, then I will miraculously help you to settle your debt. If you organize and discipline your time, I will have, I, excuse me, then I have a, uh, uh, I, the Lord, will flood you with revelation and understanding. I will prepare you. Though you are intimidated, if you will stand up and begin to pray for the sick, have I not always confirmed my word with signs and wonders? And I will bring my Holy Spirit, and it will, or he will, with the wind, clear out the clouds of confusion. I will lift the crown of condemnation. I will place my holy crown upon you. I will remove the fog of fear. I will prepare you, and by the time this summer comes around, you will be ready, and I will give you men, men and couples, and they will be ready to be launched. Do not say that the nations are closed, for I am the God who gives rivers in the desert. Do not say to me that the opportunities are small, because I'm going to speak a word and you will hear me, and you will have more opportunities than you ever thought possible. Only if you cry out to me, and I will answer, says the Lord. That prophecy, as I travel around and begin to preach, unknowingly, people are experiencing that. That they are going through things that absolutely rattle their cage. That they're trying to figure out the things that they found stability in before. You know what? They are not finding stability in. And, 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 it's, and it's, it's tripping their mind. It's causing a fog. It's causing, you know what, sometimes a confusion in them. But listen, we were told. I don't know if you were listening. But we were told this is going to happen. And the reason why I want to minister in this is because in all of this, you know what this is right now? It's a test. It's a test. 
And I want to glean from this scripture, amen, that I'm about to read in Jeremiah. Because what was going on in Jeremiah's life was crazy. We know Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. There are men here, you are weeping pastors. You've come, you've got your suit on, you look nice. Your wife, she's got her hair did. Right? But in reality, there's something else that's going on on the inside. And I want to give you a word of hope. And I want to believe, amen, that God will illuminate his word to let you know, you know what? It's just a test. And it's a test for something greater. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. You let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes. They have taken root. They grow, yes. They bear fruit. You, they, you are near to them in their mouths, but far from their mind. But you, O oh Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep from the slaughter and prepare them for the day of the slaughter. How long will the land mourn? And the herbs of every field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they say, he will not see our final end. If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, and how shall, how shall you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you were trusted, they weary you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have been called a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. God, I ask, oh God, this morning, God, that you will bring healing and deliverance. God, that you will again breathe life, the Holy Ghost, God. Lord, that we will not only pull the plane, but that your Holy Ghost will fill those engines. God, and we will begin to soar, God, as you have called us to soar. We thank you. We give you praise. Precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I'm going to first see with you the question, but not questioning. Because in our text, how it begins out is very interesting. Because God does not mind a question. You know, and as a pastor, I don't mind a question. Man, because you know there is a difference between questioning and asking a question. See, Jeremiah, amen, is saying that he sees this character in God. God, you don't mind when we ask you questions. You allow us to, to have discourse back and forth, you and me, amen. That you know what, I don't understand this, God. Could you explain this, God? God, why is this? I don't see this, God. God, and so, so there's an understanding, amen, that God has no problems with questions, but he does get bothered when you question him. 
Matthew chapter 22, 15 and 22, it is the Pharisees as they come along to Jesus. And the Bible tells us, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they may entangle him in his talk or his words. They sent to him their disciples with Herodians and saying, teacher, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God and truth, nor do you care about anyone. For you do not regard the person or, or of the man. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes or to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image is on this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render to, therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And when they heard these words, they marveled, and they left him, and they went their way. He says, Don't question me. He says, because questioning, amen, listen, at the heart of that is you're trying to ensnare or, listen, get someone to say or do something that fulfills your twisted, amen, way of thinking. And so he says, no. He says, listen, if there's a genuine concern for growth and dominion in your life, there's a question that is fine, but stop questioning. And so here, Jeremiah, in our scripture, amen, this is in the early stages of his ministry, and this man has stood up against idolatry, he has stood up against compromise, he is standing up against a nation that is, listen, that is experiencing persecution. Matter of fact, as he began to minister and say, you know what, we're going through what we are going through because of the stands in which we have taken, and God is saying, you know what, enough is enough, you don't listen to me anymore, and so now your lives are not going to be very easy. He began to arise and he began to preach why they are going through the hard times, amen, and he speaks these words, amen, and he begins to ask God, he says, righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, let me talk to you about your judgment, why do the wicked prosper? And listen, you've been saved at any time, any length of time, that's a question we all have. God, I mean, we're serving you. We pour our lives out. Why in the world is that guy who is dirty as a dirty, dirty, <laughs> horrible testimony, messed up, broke, bust, disgusting, can't be trusted. Why is his way prosper? In other words, he's saying, I'm having a hard time with this. Because obedience to God Oftentimes, we suffer rejection. Yes. Y'all you know, ain't know what I'm talking about. You guys look at me like, oh, no, not us, Pastor. We're good Christians. We just love, amen. Get, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sunday morning, amen. It's, you're getting ready for church. Let, let, me, let me help you. <laughs> and you know what? The kids are not ready or the grandkids are not ready. Your wife is not ready. You're not ready. You've got to go do something right, because you were supposed to do it before, but you didn't do it. So now you're under this time crunch. And so you're getting up, you're running around, you and your wife are having a, you know, a, a little um, 
discussion. Amen. It's got a lot of explanation points in it, you know. And, uh, you know, as you're walking out, you're going, you know, you trip over this, you drop that, you get out the house, you forgot your watch, you forgot your phone, everything. And you go walking out and you're frustrated. And you look next door and there's Bob. <laughs> polishing his boat. Popping open a six-pack. The aroma of barbecue is floating up in the air. And he goes, where are you going, George? Going to church. <laughs> well, pray for me while you're there. And I'll pray for you, all right. Amen. <laughs> How Christian do you feel right there? Come on. See, this, so, so what Jeremiah is asking is, Lord, why do they, I mean, it's like you bless them. We are not complaining about our own blessing. But see, there's, there's something that rises up inside of us when we see just blatant injustice. Now, I'm not, and listen, this is not, and you know, you can get all wrapped up in the BLM stuff and all that junk. That's just, that's just rebellion, okay? And I'm not going to even waste time on that, Amen. I don't think we should waste time on that. We have souls to win. Amen. And that, all that over there, if you're all caught up in that, you just need to get saved. And you know what will happen? It'll, it'll make things really, really clear. Amen. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like they say, well, you know, I, 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 I pastor a church that's, that's primarily uh, Hispanic, Mexicans. And, you know, they, they're, they're a little different. Amen. You know, and I go in and, and, and I'm there. And, I, you know, they, they let me know my color. They tell me, hey. You're black. And I go, I am? <laughs> they go, yeah, you are. I, you didn't know you're black? I said, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, what did you think you were? I said, I thought I was a Christian. But I'm glad you brought that to light. <laughs> because I thought you were a Christian. I'm not an American. That's why I don't care who's in the White House. Oh, listen, we're going to ruffle some feathers here. I don't need a president in the White House in order for me to fulfill the commission that Jesus Christ has given me. What I need is I need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so, so he, this is what Jeremiah is going through. There's just this confusion. And so when we see blatant injustice, something in us, it's like it's not right. And so if we're not careful we can begin to ask sometimes the wrong questions. See, he's having a hard time. Psalms 72, 2 and 3 says, But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What I want to look at, amen, is how God 
help Jeremiah in the midst of this? Because he does answer him in this. Jeremiah 5, amen, 12, 5. God asks this question. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? If you in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplains of the Jordan? And so what God was directing and bringing out to them is, listen, it's a test. He's weighing things. He's dealing with, amen, issues. He is saying you need to have a right perspective. See, what God wanted Jeremiah to see, beloved, amen, was, listen, hardship in a different way than everyone else saw hardship. What I'm going through is actually preparing me for some greater purpose inside of my life and in my walk with God. That this hard season, amen, that actually behind that, behind all the accusations, behind all the struggles, behind everything else, listen, there's an intelligent, amen, listen, an intelligent being. That he understands that those things are going on and he's allowing those things, beloved, a divine intelligence behind it to get us to the place, amen, where God wants us. See, listen, Joseph didn't think saying the dream that he had would end up in a pit. It's like, hey, mom and dad, that brother and sister, you're all going to bow down to me, amen. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, we love that. Joseph's our man. Yes, he is. Yeah. No, 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 no. They weren't thinking that. And so he's in the pit. He's going, I thought you were supposed to bow down to me. No, we're going to throw you down. You know what pit is? Pit is preachers in training. <laughs> Moses did not think his deed that he had done by killing the oppressors, the Egyptians cause him to wander around in the desert for 40 years. A man who was eloquent, a man that was trained, a powerful soldier, a man who knew the destiny that God had for him. But the next time that God spoke to him, he is stuttering. He's freaking out. He's running away from the things of God. This man, you know what, he would be, he would be like, he, he, was a, he was the greatest preacher, pastor, conference guy. But when, when God got finished with him, he goes, I, I, stu I, stu I, 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 I stutter. We can feel like that sometimes. Because life is a series of tests to prepare us for what God wants to do in us. But we don't like to think this. Second Chronicles 32, th uh, 31. The Bible tells us God withdrew from him in order to test him, that he might know all that is in his heart. Deuteronomy 8.2. You shall remember all the way in which, which the Lord your God has led you in this wilderness these 40 years, that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, what these times are, or these are times of heart testing. It weighs us. 
as men and women of God. It puts pressure in our lives. Amen. Deuteronomy 13, 1 and 3. Amen. It tells us there are going to be people that are with us. Amen. And walking with us. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods. Let us start our own things, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. Listen to this, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul. He tells us there are going to be people that sit alongside of us, people that we have had sweet labor with, people that have been in and out with us, and they're going to begin to tell us to go a different way, and they're going to say, well, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and they're going to happen. And he says, now here's the test. He says, if you stay true to the things that you know to stay true to, because I'm weighing your heart. I want to see what you're about. I want to see, amen, really. You know what? And see, we don't like to think that God, God is behind. There's an intelligent, divine hand behind all the things that we go through. I want to look secondly with you, the process of development. You know, sometimes God sees things in us that we don't see in ourselves. It's called blind spots. He saw something in Jeremiah that Jeremiah didn't see in himself. He became vexed over his circumstances. And God knew the only way to work that out of Jeremiah was to allow these things to go through. You know, and, and listen, beloved, right here is where Christians stumble. Because it's like, we, we get this idea, justice, justice, justice. Unfortunately, we get a worldly mindset when it comes to things like that. Justice, justice. And, and the worldly mindset takes justice from the hands of God, and we want to put it in the hands of man. I'm going to decide how this person is going to be, or I'm going to decide the things that happen. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to read you a quote from this, this book that I closed and said I wouldn't read. <laughs> it says, you have come face to face with a God whom you do not fully understand. You have met a God who has not lived up to your expectations. Every believer must come to grips with a God who did not do things quite the way you expected. You're going to get to know the Lord by faith or you will not know him at all. Faith in him, trust in him, but not his ways. Today, you're resentful for those who so callously hurt you. But no, not really. The truth is that you're angry at God because ultimately you're not dealing with men. You are dealing with a sovereign hand of your Lord behind all events, behind all things. 
there is always his sovereign hand. See, the question is not, why is God doing this? Why is he like this? The question is not, why does he not answer me? The question is not why I need him so desperately. Why doesn't he come to rescue me? The question is not why did God allow this tragedy to happen to me, my children, my wife, to my husband, or to my family? No, it is not. Why does God allow injustices? See, the question before this congregation is this. Will you follow a God you do not understand? Will you follow a God who does not live up to your expectations? Your God has put you in, through something in life which you cannot bear. The burden is simply too great. He was never supposed to do this. But the question remains, will you continue to follow this God who does not live to your expectations? And will you be and say, and blessed are you if you are not offended because of me. See, this is what God tells us when we're going through these things. He says, and we look at scripture weird sometimes, you know, because what we look at is like Jesus is preaching, man, and you know, you can be an unbalanced person and say, well, we just need to preach and get rid of all the fluff out of the church. And blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, you know, <laughs> let, let God work those things out. So what happens is he's preaching and then all these people leave. It's not like God is not preaching God. You know what I mean? It's like he's preaching truth. And so a bunch of people take off and then he turns to the disciples and you would think, oh, I'm glad you guys stayed. <laughs> But Jesus turns around and says, will you leave too? It's a test. And thank God he opened his mouth, Peter. He pulled his foot out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Every once in a while we get it. Can you hear me? Amen. Where will we go? You have the answers of life. It's you. You have the testimony. You have, listen, you have the faithfulness. It's a test. It's a process of development. I always think about the scripture, amen, Mary and Lazarus and, you know, John 11, 1 through 15. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and, his, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary was anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, they, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness shall not be unto death, but it will be for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, uh, lately the Jews want to stone you. Uh, do you really want to go there again? And Jesus answered and says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks by the day, he shall not stumble because he sees the light of the word of, the, uh, of this world. But if anyone walks at night, he will stumble because the light is not in him. 
These things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. Now this is us, disciples. Then they said, Lord, if he sleeps, won't he get well? <laughs> However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought Lazarus was, or Jesus was speaking about taking rest, his sleep. Then Jesus said, okay, guys, listen, Lazarus is dead. Graveyard dead. And I am glad. What did you say? For your sakes, that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. He intentionally waited till this man died. See, there are going to be times where God intentionally waits until things die in you. And he says, oh, listen. It's not for my sake. It's for your sake. Since they have to die. Because then you will know it's my glory and my power. Amen. Then you will know, listen, that I am the resurrection. You can't manipulate this. You're going to be almost to a point where it's like your soul, like, there's nothing we can do. Exactly. So that when God moves... He does it powerfully. Second Chronicles, uh, Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, but what is for a moment is working out in us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. That word working out means it is good for me. You know, I was an assistant to Pastor Ruby. Amen, I love my pastor. Listen, I'm not ashamed to say that. And we live in a generation where it's kind of weird that you say, I love my pastor. I want to serve my pastor. I want to make sure my pastor is not, you know, that, that he has no needs. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. And so it's interesting to me because, you know, it's like in our building that Pastor Ruby's in now, when we put the hot water heater in, we designed it really bad. The hot water heater's a long way from his office. And so what happens is I went into his office when we finished the building, I turned on the hot water. Man, I'm sitting there waiting. I said, we probably shouldn't have put the hot water heater 150 feet away from it. <laughs> so for the next three years, every morning, I'd go into the office before Pastor Ruby got there, and I'd turn on the hot water, and I'd let it run. <whistles> and I'd run around and go do all the other things. Because to me, I thought it was cool that when my pastor turned on the faucet, you know what, he'd have hot water. Now, that may offend you. What spiritual aspect is that? Nothing. <laughs> I just wanted him to have hot water. I heard a sermon one time, painkiller. Right? The sermon was on the things that cause you pain, kill it. But they weren't actually talking about kill it, right? But there were things that I would watch and I would see in my pastor. Amen. But you know what? They cause him pain. And in my mind, I said, I don't want him to have pain. Because if he has pain, he's worried about the pain. And I was a little selfish. I wanted him to be worried about me. <laughs> I don't want his prayers, get rid of this pain. I want these prayers, bless my people. And so in my mind, I said, if I can work and do all these little things around him that, 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 that cause, listen, a discomfort to him. Paul says, well, how is it wrong that I, I get from you? Material things. When I labor for you in spiritual things. 
And we hate this scripture, you know, don't muzzle out the ox as he treads through, you know, because we always think, I'm not an ox, but yeah, sometimes we are, amen. <laughs> but what they're saying is that he should be able to eat as much as he wants, work as much as he wants, because it is a benefit to you. Listen, all this is for free, amen. And I just was in another church, and, we, and I, you know, I was just telling this church this, and it was not here, it was another church. I said, listen, I said, the scripture says that we have respect for those in authority, right? Because those in authority, they give an account to who? God, right? Okay, you guys know the Bible. Okay. For, give an account to God for who? For you. All right, we know that. So when we go to heaven, they're going to say, Pastor, how was Bob? Now, do you know the rest of the scripture? It says, for let him give an account. You're exactly like all the other churches. Joyfully. Because it would not be profitable to you. How can we know all the other stuff but we don't know the joy part? That when he stands before God, listen, you have many, many pastors here. You have churches here. When that pastor stands before God for you, God is going to ask him a simple question about every single person that went to his church. Was it a joy to pastor them? Because the scripture says, if he says no, it's not going to be profitable to you. Y'all ain't Googling that. You Google everything else. <laughs> Google that. And so you understand that that portion is a test for who? It's for you. But at the same time, it's a test for us. That we have to believe, amen, that no matter what's going on, that there's a divine intelligence behind it. Well, look, three things that testing does to you. Number one is testing can bring out that you can handle more than you think. You know, for a while this thing was going around, you know, the Navy SEALs, the 40% rule. It's when your brain says, I'm done, you're actually only at 40%. Yeah. But you still have another 60%. Lord, I can't handle this. You're only at 40%. You're like, Lord Jesus, man, there's another 60% coming? No, no, no. What, he, what, he is, what, is he, what he's saying is that, that we sell ourselves short. We can have more. Here, here, here is Abraham. He's there. He's petitioning for Sodom. Who in the world petitions for Sodom? We do. Back and forth. He starts out, keeps going. So the question is who stopped? Because isn't it amazing that God says, yes, I'll spare it for this. Yes, I'll spare it for that. Yes, I'll spare it for this. Yes, I'll spare it for that. And then all of a sudden, the, the whole discord stops. Why? What if he would have said, Lord, if there was just one righteous, would you destroy the city? God says, I'm going to destroy the whole lot of them. Then Moses finally got a revelation and says, destroy me. And spare them. He's working these things out in us. You can go further, listen, than you believe. 
There's a divine grace to sustain us even in life's disappointments. Paul's cry, amen, was three times I cried out to God. But we want God to be perfected in us, right? No, y'all are scared to talk now. You want him perfected in us. Listen to what the scripture says. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he made, listen, that it might depart from me. So you got a problem, child. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to this. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That your weakest point in life is where God's strength is perfected. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God I am what I am. Second, God has bigger plans for all of us. Oh, I was so enjoyed the preaching this morning. Amen. He's got bigger plans for us. Amen. Listen to me. You have seen nothing yet. Amen. You have not even scratched the surface Lord. yet. Listen to me. Amen. You're like, oh God, oh God. The way you think, God, listen. Here's the problem. You know, I tell our guys, okay, write down everything that you want God to do. They get on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. They spend weeks and things writing them down for me. They bring them to me. I crumple them up and I throw them away. <laughs> Why are you doing that, pastor? I said, because your whole life, all you do is think on that eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. God doesn't use paper. He's a limitless God. But here we are. Check, check, check. God's like, get rid of the paper, man. I have loads of things. I have bigger things for you. Thirdly, God will inconvenience your present state to prepare you for future blessing. Yes. Now, roses are beautiful. Amen. But you ever buy a rose from a grocery store? It doesn't smell good. It doesn't even smell like a rose. Right? Just stick your nose in there, but no, it doesn't smell like a rose. You know why? Because the whole environment around that rose is perfect. They want to make sure it grows pretty and nice. It's red. Oh, look at the petals, the way the petals are. Oh, it's soft. But it doesn't smell like a rose. You know how a rose smells like a rose? It's out in the elements. Gets beat up. Dogs go and do whatever they do on them. Amen. Right? <laughs> they get trampled. Crushed. But when you crush them, listen to me, the aroma that comes out. Oh, listen, it is, it is so sweet. You will never have a sweet-smelling aroma to God until he crushes you. There's an old saying, it is very doubtful that God can greatly use a man unless God greatly hurts a man. Pastor Foley, you've asked for the anointing of Pastor Mitchell. The Lord would say unto thee, listen, as I crushed my son, I must crush you too. But as the crushing comes, so comes the sweet aroma of God. That that aroma not only filled the house but that aroma reached up to heaven. It reached up to the nostrils of God. And when he breathes in, he smells the sweet 
savoring smell of a good and faithful servant. Just as we saw it in our pastor, we're going to see it in you. Because you have cried out to God. You know, my wife was told a story of a van ride between you and Pastor Mitchell. You were just sitting there. He was discussing some things with others. and He says, Kevin, come move up here. And when I heard that story, immediately I thought of the scripture in the word of God where the man comes and he purposely takes the lowly seat. And the master of ceremonies tells him, come up here. Because you have willingly allowed yourself to be humbled, God will rise up and exalt you. And he's going to help you. He's going to do some very powerful things. Amen. The scripture that was read in our brother, the second scripture, I think it was, uh, the, uh, well, he was reading about momentum. That scripture is what God speaks over your life. And because you've been a good, faithful servant that has allowed God to crush them. That aroma is well-pleasing to the Lord. Glory. He's going to help. He's going to bless you. I want to look lastly with you, amen, the promise. The promise in our scripture, amen, is a promise that there are spiritual things waiting for us. He tells him, you have run with the footmen. And you understand, even though you may not be organized, the devil is organized. You may not put things in your planner, but the devil puts things in his planner. Amen. On, uh, you know, da 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 da, -da. Oh, they have conference. I'm going to make this plan right here. Make sure you call in the demonic flyers. You get all those things going because they're going into conference. Oh, this Oiderham revival. Oh, yes, yes. Make Aunt Fifi decide that she's going to come the, to the song service leader's house before they start. And so listen, he has plans. Amen. You may not be organized, but he is. And so he is dealing with Jeremiah and saying, there's, there's an order. You have footmen and you have, listen, horsemen. And so this, this promise from God is that, listen, there's going to be an acceleration, amen, of God's grace and favor and authority in your life. But it's going to come at a cost. Three, three things. It is going to have a promise of spiritual opposition. Our brother, amen, ministered, amen, about momentum, the pushing back, amen, and that the necessity in our lives to begin to dig in. It has been often heard, amen, higher levels mean bigger devils. Uh, here's Corinthians 16, 9. Our brother said it this morning. For there is a great and effective door open before me, and there are many adversaries. Yeah. Amen. But listen, opposition leads to opportunity. In this, there's a promise of opportunity. He, and, and it's a promise from God. Listen, you're going to have doors open before you. Amen. And what they want, amen, is you to run through those doors. Thirdly, amen, the promise of dominion. Amen. Revelations 19, 11 through 14. Now I saw heaven open and behold a 
white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful, True, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed them on horses. That there's going to be a dominion, amen. This that we are a part of, beloved, listen, is not of man. Yeah. See, that's the issue. You, you, listen, you have to have God's vision, not your own. You have to go and purchase God's vision. Because listen, if he is with us, nothing can stop it. Amen. And so this promise of an incredible dominion, a momentum, yes, amen. But not just run, amen, not just pull. But we need a second wind, listen, to charge and ignite, amen, those jets. That's a C-17, amen. Carries a lot of cargo. Has big old giant engines. It is made to deliver, amen, hope and supplies, armament. It's made, amen, to provide all the things that they need for warfare. We are at war, beloved, amen. And there must be something in us that totally abandons all things that we trust in. And trust, amen, God, you're going to enable me, amen, to be able to keep up with the footmen, keep up with the horsemen. Then, God, you're going to renew me that I may Mount up, amen, on wings of eagles, God. God, that your spirit will help me to soar over all the things, amen, that have embarrassed, humiliated, shamed us, amen, before. Why? Because everything is a task, church. And he has greater things for us. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Then we need to do business with God. Don't just leave this conference. You know, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No. You need to take your paper, ball it up, and stop doing the things the way you did things. Hello. And say, God, what would you have me to do? And listen, we will see powerful revival. And God is going to help us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank God. So appreciate your faithfulness.